In Daniel chapter 6, in the famous Lion's Den story, we learn that Daniel is a man of prayer. But did you ever wonder what he prayed? In Daniel 9, we're going to see this incredible prayer where he cries out to God for the nation of Israel. You know, as I look at our nation, I know if you're like me, we are praying for our nation, praying for revival, praying that the Lord would be at the center of what we do and how we live. Well, we're going to see Daniel's prayer and see what we can learn about our own prayer lives today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. In a very humanistic society and a very man-centered gospel that has emerged into the church, it seems like many prayers are man-centered instead of God-centered. You know, prayer is essentially to have your mind centered on God. That should be kind of a 101 thought, but I need to hear that because sometimes I can go down my laundry list of prayers and I'm not sure how much quality time I actually spent with the Lord seeking his face and his will. Amen. So sometimes our prayers just need to simply be, Lord, I'm just seeking your face. So that night when I was on my bed and um, that's the one time in my life I can genuinely say something supernatural in terms of what I would call a gift of language came to me. And I know there's all these questions about prayer language and the gift of tongues. Um, and, and I'm in the camp that believes those gifts are for today, but they need to be biblically informed and led by the Spirit and under the leadership of um, the elders and so forth. But here's what I would say. Something came and it was, it was in my mind that was not from me. And it was so other than me, it kind of freaked me out. <laughs> and I was on my bed, I was like, whoa, whoa, who, it kind of, and I don't even know really what it was about. But I just know this, I was just seeking the face of God. And maybe it was God's way of just saying, Michael, I hear you. Good. You see, that's what I think God wants is he wants us to seek him with, what did we read? With all of our hearts. See, God wants to do special supernatural stuff in our lives, but he wants our attention. Look at verse three. To, to pray and seek God's face is to give your attention. How many, how many people in our society are doing things for attention today? Right? Uh, some of the biggest longings of our own hearts are for attention. And people oftentimes will get attention through unhealthy means because they are, are longing for attention. God doesn't need it, but God wants us to commune with him because he loves us, which is amazing, and because he knows the value when we spend time with him. So I sought him by prayer. You can, do, you can also seek God by music or worship. Um, you can seek God in the scriptures and commune with him. But here he says, I turn my attention through prayer, supplication, with, which is another way of saying to uh, pray for others, to supplicate for others. That's that word, to uh, be an intercessor. With fasting, I think everybody knows what fasting is. 
sackcloth, which is a garment of camel's hair, uh, which is very coarse and uncomfortable. Prophets would use it when they prophesied. They would wear it. John the Baptist wore something like this uh, as a sign uh, of, of a call to repentance and so forth. And ashes, which is a sign of mourning. They would put ashes on their head when somebody died or something terrible happened. And so it's like Daniel took all the implements of things that you could do when you pray to kind of assist. He fasted, he put on sackcloth and ashes. He was serious. Some people say, does God hear us more when we fast? Well, it depends. It depends on why you're fasting. <laughs> if you think, you know what, I want to get more spiritual and I need to drop five pounds. <laughs> What's the order there? You want to drop five pounds and get spiritual or you want to get spiritual and drop five pounds? Anyway. You see, prayer can restore a dry and listless life. When you get serious about prayer, God starts doing amazing things. And prayer helps me to care more. I heard a story about a young pastor who was preparing a sermon. In his study, there was a knock on his door. Someone told him that a child had been hit by a car in front of the church. He was informed that the ambulance was there and the child was getting help. He looked up and he said he would be right out after he finished this thought. His secretary came to the door and announced that it was his own daughter that had been hit by the car. The pastor jumped up from the desk and ran to the street. You see, our identity with the need, how we identify with the need makes all the difference on how we pray. Have you ever noticed? You hear about a prayer request that comes down the prayer chain. And look, we're all human, so I'm preaching to myself here. I want you to know that. But Sometimes, you know, we can get to the 23rd prayer request and we're like, oh, Lord. Okay, Lord, just heal the entire world. Everybody's in trouble, <laughs> right? But then, let's just say that you got a phone call that a relative or someone really close to you is in the hospital. Or you go, or that hospital visit you go on now is your loved one in that bed. Now you pray with a different fervency. And see, Hebrews 13.3 says, that we should remember those in prison as if we were fellow prisoners. Those who are mis mistreated as though we were suffering, but it's, it's pretty easy to disconnect from other sufferings. And so I know some of you are interested in fasting and how all of that is done and what, what the deal is. I would like to just give you a few verses to take a look at the reasons behind fasting and uh, I would take you, to first of all, to the book of Ezra. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and then the Psalms. So go to Ezra chapter 8. I want, I want us to show you a couple of verses uh, as to why someone would fast. Because I know some of you have brought me questions about that. There was only one um, holiday in ancient Israel where there was a mandatory fast, and it was the Day of Atonement. It was literally called the fast. Outside of that day, there was no mandatory fasting in Israel. The scribes and Pharisees fasted twice a week, but even their fasting didn't seem to be always for righteous reasons. And there are people in our modern time that fast. Jesus fasted 
while he was out in the wilderness, right, for a, quite a long time, as he was uh, compelled by the Spirit to go out and fast. And I do think that fasting is appropriate at times, but it needs to be Spirit-led and informed by Scripture. There may be a season of your life where you're praying for somebody, a situation specifically, and maybe you just fast for a meal. Maybe you skip breakfast and you take that time where you would have eaten to read your Bible and pray. Maybe you take that money that you would have spent and give it to the Lord's work. You can let the Spirit lead that kind of thing. But that's typically what people do. And then some, peop some people will, you know, uh, fast for a day. They'll just drink water or juice. I would just encourage you to get spiritual counsel from a pastor if you're going to fast and make sure that you understand medically where you are in terms of your sugars and your, just your chemistry as a person. You know, you don't want to go from you eat six meals a day to I'm going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. I read that in the Bible. I'm doing it. <laughs> no, you're not. And I would encourage you not to make big proclamations to heaven. Lord, I'm going to get serious about you and I'm not eating until Saturday. Don't do that. Because you'll set yourself up for failure and the Lord is not worried about you making these grand proclamations to heaven so that you can appear more spiritual. I'm going to starve myself, Lord, so you know I'm serious and I really want that thing I'm praying about. And so if I, if I walk around really hungry and disheveled and, and, and messed up and I, I cry and whine and I haven't had a burrito for three hours. And... No, 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 no. You know, God said to Israel in Isaiah 58, on the day of your fast, you're, you're pounding your brother. You're in a fist fight when you're fasting. Come on now. If you want to be heard on high, then do some good things. Do righteousness. Do equity. But if you're pounding your brother on the fast day, forget it. Forget about it, as we like to say in the Italian. Forget about it. Because you've ruined the intent of the fast. The fast is to elevate the spiritual and put down the physical or the fleshly. Everybody with me? When you fast, it's to elevate the spiritual and to put down the fleshly. Look at verse 21 of Ezra 8. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, Ezra 8:21, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him to seek from him a safe journey for us, our little ones and all our possessions. So notice the fast was proclaimed for a safe journey. Then I proclaimed, 21, a fast reading from the New King James at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us. Important. Sometimes we, we want to know what's your will, Lord. We might fast. Our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way as they returned to the land. Because we had said to the king, the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him. But his power and his anger are against all those who forsake him. And so we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter. And he listened to our entreaty or our prayer. In the book of Nehemiah, which is the next book to your right, chapter one, Nehemiah hears about the land, the, the, what's been uh, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, Nehemiah 1.4. And it came about when he heard these words, 
He says, Nehemiah 1.4, I sat down and wept. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... We are entering the holiday season, and more specifically, Thanksgiving, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Nehemiah hears about the land, the, the, what's been uh, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, Nehemiah 1.4. And it came about when he heard these words, he says, Nehemiah 1.4, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You'll remember in 2 Samuel 12, 16, David fasted and he prayed uh, for the child that the child would not die. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, um, let's turn over there. That's, that's gonna be a few pages back. 2 Chronicles 20, if you can't locate it, just listen to it. This is verse one of 2 Chronicles 20. It says, now, it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon together with some of the Munites, Munites came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles 20, verse two. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea out of Aram, and behold, they are in Hazazon, Tamar, or in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat, verse three, was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord, and they prayed. So notice in verse nine of that same chapter. Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before thee and cry to thee in our distress, and thou will deliver us. You can think of 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will what? I will heal their land. And I, my ear will be attentive to prayer that's offered in this place. Go down to verse 12. This is an important, same chapter. Look at verse 12. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12 says, Our God, will thou not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you or on thee. And all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, the Levite, the son of, sons of Asaph. 
And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be do not fear, so they prayed, they fasted, or be dismayed because of the great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but whose? But it's God's. See, so many times when I don't pray, I think the battle belongs to me. And when I pray, if you go back to Daniel 9, when I humble my soul with fasting, uh, Psalm 35, 13, when I seek the Lord, when I humble myself in prayer, I make the battle his and not mine. So important that we understand that. And so he, he, he took all these different things. You can find uh, fasting in the uh, book of Esther where they call for a fast uh, with weeping and wailing and sackcloth and ashes and so forth. And uh, you can see that the Lord honored it Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments, is Joel 2, 12, and 13. So back, back to Daniel, just a few more verses. He says, and I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God. This is Daniel 9, 4. Notice he did all of these different things to prepare himself. And then he prayed and he confessed. He said, you are the great and awesome God. When we pray, we need to know who we're addressing, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness, his, his uh, love or his mercy for those who love him and keep his commandments. Daniel's prayer is filled with worship. Uh, when you're gonna pray, how many of you remember the acronym ACTS when you pray? Like the book of Acts, A-C-T-S? The A stands for adoration, the C for confession, the T for thanksgiving and the S for supplication. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's a good model. You'll see that in a lot of the biblical prayers. And so you gotta acknowledge who it is that you're calling upon. He's the great and awesome God. There's nothing too difficult for him. Look at the C. He, he adores God, adoration. He confesses. We have sinned, verse five. We've committed iniquity. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled. <clears throat> even turned aside from thy commandments and ordinances. What did Daniel do wrong? Is there anything in the book of Daniel that ever tells you about a sin that Daniel committed? I don't think so. Why is he confessing? Because these were his people. And Daniel was a sinner. And Daniel becomes an intercessor. Sometimes when I pray, I just say, Lord, I'm sorry for what we've done. Sometimes the we is not me, but sometimes the we includes me. But does it really matter? You see, what we want is God's favor, and so we confess. We've turned aside. We have to acknowledge. He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find compassion, Proverbs 28, 13. Moreover, we've not listened. He, read, he just read that in Jeremiah we, we spoke again and again to thy servants, the prophets who spoke in thy name, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. We haven't listened to you, God. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is to this day, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel, those who are nearby, those who are far away in all the countries to which thou hast driven them because of their unfaithful deeds, 
which they have committed against thee. We've sinned against you and you only, Lord. Lord, you are righteous, verse seven. But this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries which, where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we've sinned over a period of time. To us is open shame. Isn't it refreshing when someone, it comes out that someone did something wrong and they just step up to the microphone and do something like this. Yeah, I did it. It's my fault. I blew it. I made a huge mistake. I'm sorry. And it's especially nice if they're not reading a piece of paper. I'd like to make a statement right now, prepared by my lawyers, <laughs> reviewed, uh, you know, proofread. I am... Truly sorry for what I caused the organization, the shame that I, it's like, come on, dude. Speak from your heart, man. Would you go to your spouse that way? Honey, I've got a prepared statement. I, I ran it by my attorneys. Uh, they, they've cross-checked it. I, I'd like to say, can you get my readers, honey? I, I'm having trouble seeing this. Come on, man. This is about the heart. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we've sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong what? Compassion, forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. With all of this stuff, and we're gonna, we're gonna park here until our, our next study. To us shame to us wrong, but to the Lord our God, would you look at verse nine? Belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. But the Lord is so gracious. But remember, they were at the end of what? 70 years of captivity. Just because he's gracious doesn't mean he doesn't spank. <laughs> Just because he's gracious doesn't mean he doesn't correct. Just because he's full of loving kindness doesn't mean that that love doesn't sometimes express itself in discipline. But God is good. Father, we thank you so much for this time in Daniel's prayer. We have so much to learn. I have so much to learn about you, about who I am, who you're making me to be, what you use in my life to shape me and mold me. Sometimes you bring me into a place that I don't want to be so that you can show me who you are and even show me the wrongs that I have done or even that I'm doing. Lord, it's so amazing to see a man like Daniel, so strong in so many ways and yet so humble here, honest before you, taking ownership, reading your word and saying, man, there's hope, we're, we're about we're about to, this season's about to pass. The captivity's about to be over. Thank you, Lord, that even when we have a long season of captivity and struggle, there's always a new season ahead in Christ. And even if we leave this planet, when we leave this planet, should you tarry and we die, there's a new season ahead for that as well. There's always hope in you. So would you uh, breathe hope into your people tonight? Would you strengthen them? For those of you who feel far away tonight, spend some time just seeking God's face as this last song is playing. If you are not a Christian, cry out to Jesus to save you. 
Believe in his death on the cross and his resurrection for you. He loves you. That's why he came here, to rescue you. And if you're a Christian tonight and maybe it's something, something else, something gnawing at you, maybe something heavy, maybe a time of decision where you need to fast and pray. Um, Lord, I just pray for that person as well, that as they seek clarity and direction, that you meet them where they are as they open their Bibles, as they pray, as they seek your face. We love you, we worship you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, coming up on Thanksgiving. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate Redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.